So you want to invest in companies that can do as much for the world as your portfolio. But how do you find them? At Fidelity, we research, we dig, we turn over rocks, and we seek out companies that are successful, not in spite of their commitment to sustainability, but because of it. Want to get clarity on your sustainable investing? Fidelity can help bring it all into focus. Visit fidelity.com slash sustainable to learn more. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh. Add some steam, sizzle, and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. smile but I gotta tell the truth that fluoride made you docile yeah it's not just for your tooth even though the US government faked the landing on the moon this is one small step for man one giant leap for me and you you shape shifted me into a better man you taught me that the earth is flat And then you held my hand Just like 9-11 truth I knew right from the start The jet fuel can't melt steel beams But your loving melts my heart Crystals and shit and tarot cards And Anunnaki skulls You stole my heart like Halliburton Stole oil from the gold This is our official story Now I wouldn't redact a thing Just because I'm reading About government life Don't mean I'm not undressing you With my all-seeing eyes You're a little Illuminati and I'm so glad that you're mine well, Let's skip area 51 and go straight to 69 You're in my mind all of the time Just like the New World Order One government, one us You took down all my borders I got a tinfoil hat and tinfoil shoes Tinfoil everything Well, I got a little surprise for you Crystals and shit and tarot cards and Anunnaki skulls You stole my heart like Halliburton stole oil from the gold We may not have a gold standard or a fancy diamond ring But this is our official story And I wouldn't redact a thing
pistols. I got some shit. I got tarot cards, and uh, I don't want to sound cocky, but I know my Anunnaki. Maybe you stole my heart, just like Halliburton went in and took that oil. I'm sitting here with my Tesla coil. But this is our official story, baby. Pistols and shit and tarot cards and Anunnaki skulls. You stole my heart like Halliburton stole oil from the gold. We may not have a gold standard or fancy diamond rings, but this is our official story, and I wouldn't redact a thing. Yeehaw! The presidency is weird because. It's the, it's the only job where, for some reason, it's tempting to hire someone who doesn't know how to do it. Right? <laughs> right? Everyone wants an outsider. The American public's like the crazy boss in a movie who hires the protagonist against his better judgment, right? <laughs> you showed up late, you're underdressed, you insulted my wife, <laughs> but I like your style. <laughs> Be here first thing Monday morning. <laughs> and then they never ask what time. They always say first thing. They're like seven, eight. <laughs> 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 Donald Trump hates political correctness. That's his big thing. Uh, political correctness, also known as like being cool to people. Um, <laughs> It's amazing though, Black Lives Matter has become a big issue in this campaign. Presidential candidates are talking about black people. Can you imagine? Like, they didn't talk about black people as much when Obama was running. But every time I bring up Black Lives Matter, there's always that person in the room who wants to go, um, actually all lives matter? Yeah, all lives matter. Yeah, I, I just came up with that. <laughs> Why would I say Black Lives Matter if I if it's if it meant only Black Lives? I'm, I'm not. You, you see my face, right? You're not, you're not giving a lot of credit to the white supporters of this movement. You think we're out there going, oh, we don't matter. Kill us all, save the black people. That's what we're saying. That's what this is. It's this stupid terminology that comes up in these conversations. Yeah, all lives matter. Reverse racism. That's a fun one. Reverse racism. Now, if you don't know that one, reverse racism is basically like, uh, like, say, like a black woman sings at the Super Bowl, and white people think that's racism. That's basically the best way. To reverse racism is even if there was this racism against white people you think is there doesn't the term reverse racism imply that if you're racist against white people you're using racism wrong <laughs> your racism's all backwards you took a beautiful thing like racism you twisted it all up you made racism ugly it's all reversed. <laughs>
know, my generation likes to think we're so much more progressive than our parents' generation. No, we are, but I know there's stuff I'm prejudiced about now that I don't even realize. And in 20 years, my kid's gonna be like, what do you mean you didn't go to the same schools as dolphins? <laughs> Come on. We just didn't grow up in the same communities as those animals. We mean those animals. So backwards, Dad. And his friends can be like, yee yee. I'm like, I know what you're exposing. Peter's a dolphin. My kid's gonna have playdates with dolphins. I'm gonna have to learn to accept it. You know? Have to like talk to his dolphin parents in the kitchen. So, what do you do? Oh, beach ball, that sounds fun. <laughs> Thank you guys, I'll join the scene. Well, as you can imagine, we're heading into what seems to be another volatile period in the year 2020. It's election season. And with election season comes lots of opinions, ideas, and in particular, a lot of anger, a lot of emotion related to what we're being offered at this time of year and in this time of our lives. I wanted to get a sense from someone who has worked and volunteered on campaigns, what it's like to knock on doors, what it's like to feel the emotion and the energy of people during an election season. I also wanted to understand more about humor. I love laughing, enjoy people who are into humor and comedy. An interesting connection between politics and humor is with my next guest, Joe Messina. I think you're going to enjoy a conversation as we delve into getting a call from a pollster, creating a routine for stand-up comedy, and everything in between. Joe Messina. I saw in like music, humor, politics. I'm like, yeah. I want to talk to Joe. <laughs> Sweet. Well, let's dive into the, the politics aspect of it. I'd love to hear your background on it. And I think you said you worked on campaigns, things like that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I did some volunteering um, a few years ago when I lived in Philly. Um, just on a few different like congressional campaigns and stuff, making calls and, uh, you know, knocking doors, that kind of thing, which is pretty miserable work. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's the worst part about it? The, the worst thing is just people get so mad at you. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh. And it's, it's funny because like, um, I don't know. I, I feel like people want politicians to care about them. Right. It's like, you know, why aren't they doing like what I want them to do? Why, you know, why aren't things changing? And, and then you come knock on their door and say, Hey, what do you want to happen? And, and yell at you. <laughs> it's really pretty ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people are cool and, you know, a lot of times, you know, no one answers the door or the phone, but, um, yeah, it can be pretty, pretty intense. Cause it's just like being any kind of door to door, um, you know, uh, salesperson or whatever did you have like any like really strange experiences knocking on people's doors 
Yeah, a couple. I I I remember one lady who was very particularly not interested in anything, but not like in an annoyed way. I because I, I you know one of the things we're supposed to ask them is like, are there any issues that are particularly important to you? You know what what uh, what's most important to you? And and she was like, no. No, I'm good. Like, it wasn't it wasn't like go away. It was just like no, thank you. I don't need politics. Um, <laughs> that's a very like you know white suburbs thing that you run yeah. into. It's like yeah, you just don't have to confront it, do you? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I one time I I worked for like a week with with um, uh, clean water action. They're mm-hmm. they're like a you know. Uh, clean water advocacy group. And uh, I remember the person I was training with was, was taking me around and this one lady like took us in and like wanted to give us all this money. She was talking to us and it's just like, um, it, it's wild. The, the varied responses you get because now and then you find some weirdo like that who's super into it um, or you get yelled at. It's pretty, pretty wild. Wow. Like, is it, is it like immediate, like the yelling, like you come up there and you start and they're like, what, why are you here? Yeah. 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 A lot, you know, a lot of huffing and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember this one huffing. guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll be like, Hey, I'm here with the, you know, whatever campaign they just, Oh, you know, you know I roll. And, uh, this one guy said to me like, what's your name, man? I, I you know, I told him, he's like, Joe, I'm fucking having dinner with my family. All right. <laughs> what, you guys gotta think about what time you're coming here. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we come when people are home. Like, we're not gonna come when you're at work. Like, like yes, yeah, PM. Like, that's when you're here. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, was that a long time ago you were doing that? Or how recent was that? Yeah, it was a while ago. I, I'm trying to remember when the last one I did it was probably. Um, probably 2016. I I think okay. early that year, I I um helped a friend. I had a friend who like went a little further with this work and became like a field organizer. Um, so I did a little bit for him at that time, and uh, that's when I was kind of done with it. But yeah, over the I I lived in Philly for six years. It was 2013 to 2018, and uh, I. Yeah, I, I worked on, you know, scattered throughout those years. I worked on a few different campaigns. So what's your thought process about what's going on now? I mean, 2020 is a crazy year, but I mean, the election, polling, I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, it, it's really wild because, you know, I, I think everyone, you know, whatever your your political stripe, everyone was expecting this year to be chaotic politically. It was like, this is going to be a crazy election. It's going to be a miserable year. But we had no idea what we were truly in. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's funny. There's uh, one of the uh, political sort of, you know, political comedy shows that I love is um, this podcast called Worst Year Ever. And uh, the hosts started that show at the end of last year, anticipating that it would be a show about the election. Um which it is, but it, you know they they've just branched out so much because it's like there's so much happening minute to minute. It's weird to you know put out a thing once a week that's like so. Uh, Joe Biden's healthcare policy is like <laughs> they have, they're like we got to comment on some of the like 
protesting yeah. and, and insanity that's happening. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's, it's an interesting year because uh, people are, are really starting to like wake up in, in various ways. Like I think people say, you know, they, you know, people are waking up and, and they're talking about like their own ideology, but I think it's like across the board. People are waking up and saying, like, I'm, I've got to, like, take a stand here, whatever it is. Mm. Um, so it's really it's pretty crazy because you've got, like, this right wing extremism rising. But then you have this whole, like, contingent of, uh, you know, leftist um, movements that are, you know, love them or hate them. Like, they're they're uh, coming out of the woodwork because. <laughs> they're kind of saying like yeah we've been saying all of this for like a hundred years and you guys <laughs> listen to us but like you know we need labor rights and and all this stuff um and then you know they it's interesting like if i look at my parents my parents are very like middle of the road kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh white liberal democrats like um you know they're they're going to vote for Joe Biden and, and, you know, not worry about it too much. They're just going to be like, yeah, he's the, he's the guy. But yeah. at the same time, like earlier this year when it was still open, like, I think they were, you know, I think my dad voted for Bernie and my mom voted for, or was going to vote for Warren before she dropped out. Um, and they were, you know, they, they moved a little bit. They were like, this is crazy. Like, you know, I don't want <laughs> the, the, this to happen to the country. You know, they've never liked Republicans, but, now they're they're like yeah I, I we need a little a little like boldness from from our side so you know you see even some of those middle of the road people moving to the left a bit but I think others are moving to the right a little bit and saying yeah. like I want some order I want some like uh, stability here so it, it's weird because it just all over the map people are are going like oh I'm I'm going to make some political decisions now whereas like for a long time. In the U.S., I think it's it's just been easy for a lot of people to to not really think about it. Yeah, I think so. It's it's in the forefront of our minds. Do you also think that there's a contingent of people who are like, "I'm just done with politics," or "I could be done with politics," depending on how this goes? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think um, it's it's possible. It's yeah, it's weird because I I have definitely seen friends who like. Um, never really thought about politics before who are now at the very least, they're like, uh, tr- Trump's not good. <laughs> like this is really <laughs> a bad situation. Um, and, uh, but, uh, what was your question? The, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> so, okay. You think people are just going to be tired of it at some oh, point yeah. and they're like, Oh, yeah. we're just, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it, you know, it always comes in, in waves and depends how much of, sort of an explosion there's going to be and that, you know, um, but yeah, I think people are going to go back to their lives and I'm especially worried that, um, you know, I don't think this is a a reason not to support Joe Biden because like, that's, that's our best shot at like, at least, you know, removing Trump. Um, but I'm worried that a lot of the sort of, more middle of the road people who are sympathetic right now to the left will kind of go back the other way 
if Joe Biden wins, because they'll in their minds, you know, if you're again, like a, a usually white, like middle mm-hmm. of the road Democrat uh, liberal person who's middle aged now or, or retired and you've got like your pension and all that stuff that like baby boomers got that we didn't. And uh, th- then it's going to be like, hey, you know, it's not perfect, but it's but it's fine. At least we don't have Trump. So <laughs> I'm, I'm worried that that'll happen. And, and you know, I. I'm worried about this argument on, uh, you know, in some parts of the left where I think people will say like, uh, well, that's, that's what's going to happen if Biden wins. So we actually would rather have Trump because people are awake and fighting. And that, that's, uh, that just seems like a, a dangerous line to walk to me. <laughs> I think um, it it's, if you're worried people are going to um, abandon your cause, I think you should maybe just make a, a better argument, which is this, the, <laughs> our criticism of the Democrats all the time is like, well, if you want people to vote for you, don't yell at us. Don't shame us. Just do better. <laughs> like, listen to yeah. us. And I think that's um, something that that uh, the, the left can learn from as well. Do you think there's a lot of regret from 2016 for certain voters about how things went? Um, I don't know. It, it's it's weird because I think Trump voters. I don't know how many there's. I, I, there must be a contingent. Um, you know, we at least sort of hear that there is of people who um, voted for Trump thinking one thing and and they see what happened and they're like i okay maybe that was a bad choice but uh i'm again it's like people are sort of digging in where they are um and i think trump voters are doubling down and then like the the real like uh liberal like hillary supporters who were like enthusiastic about hillary clinton um are digging in and going like, if, if more of you had voted for Hillary Clinton, this wouldn't have happened. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, <laughs> as is all too common in, in human history, there's not a ton of learning going on. <laughs> a lot of, uh, continued fighting. Yeah, I would say so. What do you say about, the polling aspect of things. Cause I think that was a, a surprise for a lot of people was the polling numbers and maybe their people are more aware of polling and the intricacies of it and that people don't trust it generally. Yeah. Maybe on this time point, you know? Yeah. I think, um, there's probably, yeah, from what, from what I see, I, it, it seems like there's a general, um, lack of trust in those things, you know, or less than there was at least. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's important to, to remember that, that like, okay, it didn't go the way we were all pretty confident it would go. Um, even though the polls went one way. Um, but it's, yeah, that, but that doesn't mean that, that like polling is bullshit you know it's it's like anything else it's like you gotta just 
kind of be aware of like, where is it coming from? Who did they ask? How did they ask? What were the questions? Um, Cause yeah, I, I actually, I got a polar, um, a, a pollster, I guess is what they're called. Uh-huh. <laughs> a pollster called me um, a few weeks ago. And uh, cause I, I live in Massachusetts now and um, yeah. someone called me and they were asking about, you know, like, you know, uh, do you, agree, disagree, neutral on, on whatever, you know, the series of questions. And it was all about the um, Senate race between Markey and Kennedy. Okay. And uh, it became gradually clear to me over the course of the uh, interview that she was calling from the Kennedy campaign, but didn't disclose that to me. She wasn't no. like, because hey, like, like a normal thing, like, um, uh, campaigns do internal polling just so they're aware of, you know, uh, how people feel about them and their opponent or whatever. Um, but it was weird cause she didn't say that. And as she was, uh, talking, she was, um, I, I yeah, I just realized the questions were very biased towards, <laughs> towards Kennedy and again, yeah. um, and, I looked up some of what she said cause she was like, Oh, Marky was against like school busing and, and all this stuff. And uh, you, know, you look it up and apparently Marky was against like he was trying to get like a better solution in place than like whatever, you know, half measure thing that <laughs> the Democrats were doing. Um, he was like, no, like this is not going to solve the problem of segregation. We need to do this and this. And um, that was turned into a question from the Kennedy campaign that was, uh, do, do, are you aware that Markey was pro-segregation or whatever? You know? what? So it's, it's, uh, it's really wild. And, and it's, um, yeah, it's unfortunately a, a reality of, of life, but um, I think, yeah, if people are, are just a little more aware, like look, you know, take two more steps into whatever thing you see you see a poll you can go to the website and you can like you know go to the like a poll conducted by whoever you can go look at that you're like there's a couple of steps you can take that only takes like a few more minutes um and then you can kind of be like all right i have this information but i can take it with a grain of salt do you think that there's a lot of people that just don't look beyond the surface of things and you know, maybe it's more of a headline culture. It feels like sometimes it's like what they did. This is terrible, and they don't look at it further than that. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's wild, and I think, um, you know, part part of it is like a personal responsibility. I think people should just try to do it, but also, it it's a world where whether you're you know, so you know, a lot of people are on Twitter, but not everyone is. Um, and on, on TV, you get the same thing though. It's just like, like thing after thing after thing. And, uh, it's, it's exhausting. I think people have like, like information fatigue and like outrage fatigue. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, you're not going to read every article of every headline you see. Right. Um, and, uh, do all that, that background research and everything. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, it's like if you don't if you see a headline and, and don't get around to reading it, it's OK to not 
really have an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I've caught myself doing that before. I'm like, (laughs) you know, I could just not say anything or go read it if it's that important to me, you know? Um, (laughs) So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a crazy culture we're in. And now like, you know, a lot of people are just at home just looking at stuff and watching TV. Now, do you, what got you into this, you know, like volunteering and like, what was the motivation initially for that? Um, I mean, I think a, a little of it came from upbringing. Um, you know, my parents, they weren't like, you know, I, like I said, they're white liberal, like, like, uh, mm. Democrats in the, in small town Connecticut. And, um, but they they care like they they have opinions and and they state them plainly and uh you know my dad liked to bring up what was going on and explain to me like you know he's he's uh he's not great at like looking honestly at the democrats sometimes but like <laughs> i remember him explaining when i was growing up like that you know if you <laughs> i was learning to drive he, he was telling me like uh, you, it be careful when you're backing up because like, uh, the bumpers on cars are only, um, you know, uh, resistant to like two miles an hour or something when, because of the Republicans, because it was supposed to be you know, like Democrats had it at five miles per hour, but then the Republicans deregulated and just like, ah. um, so, you know, it, with like little parts of life and stuff, he would explain these things to me. Um, and my, uh, my grandpa was a very like um, compassionate guy who had a lot of um, uh, he just he had a lot to say he had a lot of sort of like wisdom about about uh, the world and I remember him telling me how um, you know there's just there's always like people trying to do bad things in the world and and I said well aren't there good people you know, there's always going to be good people like, you know, countering them. He's like, yeah, but like the good people have to do something. I, you know, I remember having this conversation with mm. him and, uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know he's, um, his family is from, uh, Poland and I, I don't know if he had family who died in the Holocaust, but it, but like, he's got a connection to that world where that happened. And, yeah. uh, it's, uh, you know, something that was definitely in like, just these values that were instilled in me. Right. And then, you know, coupled with that, I was growing up when, um, you know, the two, so the 2000 election, I was 11, I guess. Um, and then from there, you've got the Bush administration, you've got the Iraq war, the <laughs> Afghanistan war, like, um, you know, I get to college and then there's the crash and then like, uh, we have, you know, this whole wave of hope with Obama and not a whole lot came of that, but you know, right. That I've seen at least. And, uh, yeah, I think growing up during the Bush administration and, um, just having like, uh, you know, a lot of it for me was like, music that I got into. I, I got really into like Vietnam war era, like protest music. Um, yeah. and then like, 
I had a whole phase where I was into like no effects and green day and like <laughs> modern bands that were like, Oh fuck the president. And like, I was like <laughs> you know, so that was like a, a, a real, that had a real influence. You know, like no effects is a band that will like tell their audience to vote at their shows, you know, like, yeah. Um, and that, that's uh, as much as it's just like, we're we're playing punk rock to like blow off steam about how angry we are at this but like that's that's something that uh that can have a big influence on young people and uh that's sort of what i uh tried to do on this this album that i just put out this ep um i think is very uh influenced by those bands no effects green day um and uh older stuff like Neil Young and, and, uh, yeah. Um, that was, yeah, that was sort of my goal. It was like, uh, <laughs> a few of my songs are, are basically like, fuck you. We should have single payer healthcare. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I was on a friend's podcast and he was like, yeah, you, you, uh, you're probably not going to convince anyone with that. It's like, yeah, no, I don't think, uh, I'm bringing anyone over to my side, but like, again, <laughs> If a 15 year old kid who's like, I, I'm uh, concerned at the world around me, hears me going like, no, we should have this like that. That's huge for a young person to to uh, to see an adult say like, no, the way it is, is wrong because that's yeah. not, you know, that's not the message they're getting most of the time. Yeah, I mean, that's. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. It was funny to me. I was like, yeah, that would, that's definitely a different way of looking at it. Um, do you think that like for families that they're heavily influenced in how they vote and how they see the world through their parents is I always see like a lot of people I've known in the past, I think they generational vote. Their family's been Republican or Democrat. So that's just what they do. They don't veer away from what other family members are, have historically done. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, uh, Elizabeth Warren is a good example of that, actually, because um, she she grew up Republican. I think she was, you know, she was Republican well into adulthood. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was she was born in Oklahoma. <laughs> Very like. Oh, wow. Like Midwest <laughs> upbringing. Yeah. Um, and uh, but she's an interesting case because that's her, that was her explanation. Like what you just said, she was like, yeah, this, that was what my family did. That's, you know, I talk about it that much. It was just like, we're Republicans. Um, and then she said that as soon as she like paid any attention to politics, she was like, Oh, I, I don't think I should be a Republican. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, I, I don't think that she goes far enough, but you know, I, I know people who are like, ah, ah, fuck her. She was a Republican through the Reagan years. And all this. I'm like, yeah, but that's not, you know, it, my issue is she didn't come over far enough. Not that she like, yeah. you know, had, uh, objectionable views for a while and then thought about it and changed it. That's good. That's a good sign. You know? Yeah. So how has music and comedy played a huge part in your life? Sounds like the music's been pretty good. I'd love to hear about the comedy aspect of it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So comedy, I think I 
started to get really into stand up around like 12 or 13. I <laughs> it was well, it's funny because I, I was actually away at music camp and um, I, our counselors, I, I don't know how this was allowed, but they would read to us at night from George Carlin's books. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was like, all right, bedtime stories. <laughs> and then it's like George Carlin, you know, swearing like a sailor. And um, he, yeah, I just, I thought it was so funny and, and uh, just that too, it was like, Carlin, you know, became the Carlin we remember during the 60s counterculture stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I I feel akin to him now, actually, because he, uh, I guess he was, he was born in 1935. So he was 30 in 1965. So he was like, so I'm looking at these, you know, college students 10 years younger than me who are trying to push this counterculture. And then the the 40 year olds who are, are 10 years older than me who are, you know, conservative and stuck in the old ways. And I'm going to go with the young people. Um, and I, I feel very much that way now. I'm, I, you know, I think generation Z is like killing it and they're, they're really like militant and, um, and politically active. And I'm like, yes, right on. I'm, I'm going to support you guys instead of, uh, you know, trying to become a, a, conservative suburbanite um <laughs> but uh what was i saying yeah carly yeah so carlin yeah was the was how i broke into stand up um as a fan and uh then the other comedians i got into were like lewis black um chris rock uh just a little like richard Pryor and stuff too but yeah. like um all these these comedians who were like very uh, political, you know, especially like Lewis Black is all like you know current events, the president, like all you know, um, and uh, and John Stewart, of course, like I was a huge Daily yeah. fan, and I actually, you know, when I started doing stand up, it took me a long time to sort of like learn how to be a comedian and not just like a political commentator because um, it's, it's hard to do both and you've got to like become, you know, a comic first, like learn how to be funny and then like <laughs> throw your views in there. Um, and it was, it was hard for me to separate honestly, because like I grew up just thinking like, Oh, this is what stand up is. It's, it's like <laughs> political rants that are right. fun. Um and uh, yeah, so that that was just like intertwined for me, and yeah, the the way that that sort of disrupted my like path was that I was raised as a musician. You know, my mom's a music gotcha. teacher. I'm uh, getting some feedback a little bit, just so you know. Like, I don't know, something's moving. It's going like. <laughs> I'm just letting oh, you know. Right. I'm probably, <laughs> probably jostling this around. I'm, I'm in my car. <laughs> That's probably what it is. I'm like, it was like, and I was like, oh, it's angry. <laughs> it's like, is it is it good now? Yeah, it's better. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I was raised as a musician. My mom's a music teacher. My my grandpa, who I mentioned before, was a uh, a big name in music copying when they would take like the lead sheet and uh, you know, write out the parts for like a big band, jazz bands and that kind of thing. Um, and my 
my dad, you know, not in any like professional sense, but he, he's a guitar player, he had a band that played out in high school and stuff. Um, and my sisters and I, you know, were put into, you know, classical music, uh, from a very young age. Um, and, uh, you know, I loved it. And it, it, I, you know, got into punk rock and classic rock and all this other stuff too. Um, when I p- picked up guitar, but yeah, the, the, the path for me was laid out and it was like, all right, you're going to go to college for music and, uh, become a music teacher. Cause that's how you make steady money as a musician. <laughs> right. and, um, that's, that's what it's going to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I think I'm a, a very good guitarist, but when I was like 17, 18, I was like, like a pretty damn good viola player. Um, mm. I like, even now as I've got, you know, professional experience, like in tour, like, uh, well, a little touring, but like, you know, working bands. Um, yeah. and like, I, I've been playing guitar for way longer than I've done anything else. I still think I was better at viola when I was 17. <laughs> it, like that's how intensely I, I was sort of trained in this. Yeah. Every waking moment was like, uh, working on that. And, um, at the last minute, I was like, wait, I want to be a comedian. <laughs> you just, just switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did a, I did an open mic uh, when I was 17. And and I was like, yeah, I want to do this. <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah, so I ended up going to, um, going to college. I, I, so I applied to four schools. Um for the music program. So that's like how late I made the decision. It was 11th hour. I was already like accepted to music schools. I got accepted to three of the music schools. And then the fourth one was Ithaca college. I did not get accepted to the music program, but I got accepted to the school as a whole. Um, and I had uh, a friend who was going there who I had started writing some comedy stuff with. Um, and my sister was already there and, I was, so I went with that one and I, I studied writing and, uh, you know, did some like TV writing and that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, I think I would have gotten much better grades as a music student. <laughs> um, Cause I was, I like, I'm an okay writer. I think I'm, uh, better than the average person at like, like, scented structure and like you know mm-hmm. shit but like uh i realized when i got there i was like oh i haven't been like writing short stories and poetry like these other people have uh you know i've been writing songs and like maybe this was a crazy right, idea right. um <laughs> but yeah so so then after college i moved back home for a bit i did a little comedy in connecticut a little bit in new york and um then moved to Philly and went pretty hard with stand up for a while. Um, and, uh, the, the most rewarding thing that I think I did with comedy was, uh, there's this comedy theater called good, good, good comedy theater in Philly. And, uh, we, we got in with them on like the ground floor. Um, my friend and I, who, uh, who's kind of like my, uh, writing partner. 
and we did this political comedy show. You know, it's basically like a live daily show kind yeah. of. Um, and that ran for two years with them. It was we did monthly shows for about two years, and it was it was really cool because we like, you know, it was stressful and like uh, 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 exhausting, but we learned how to like uh write and polish stuff and like get something ready for air uh in a limited amount of time um so yeah like we we didn't even always have like the same schedule so sometimes Mm -hmm. you know our show would be on like february 24th and then our march show would be march 10th or so you know (laughs) so yeah yeah month to prepare for the next one um so that was really cool. And, uh, uh, that, uh, really opened things up for us. We were just like, all right, let's write a script. Let's, you know, write funny songs and all this stuff. So like we, um, really learned, that's how we really learned how to do it. Um, and the, yeah, the best thing that came out of that show was, um, uh, our band Jackson Mo. um, his, his name is Max and I'm Joe. So we're Jackson Mo. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was, it, it was something we started doing on the show sort of to fill time was like, we would come out as like the house band. We would, you know, we would leave <laughs> the stage. we'd be like, okay, the house band's going to come out and, you know, we'd go backstage, we'd come out in like cowboy hats. Um, and, uh, we just started writing these dumb, like, like sort of country songs, and uh we that was our favorite part of the show i don't know if it was the audience's favorite part but it was our favorite part so we uh went to a friend of his who is a recording engineer and we did you know a, like a real album <laughs> like we got uh we hired pro musicians um we did like a full like mastering and everything so we've got like nice this great um set of recordings of this thing that like uh, that it felt like such a culmination of, of, um, of all of these things, because it was like, I'm using the music, you know, to support the comedy. Um, and we've made the music sound as good as we could. So like um, to sell the joke, you know, <laughs> I love that, man. Yeah. What's your process for creating comedy? Like, you know, I always hear different um, ways people come up with, you know, their uh, routines and stuff. How do you go about doing that? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think I am. Uh, yeah, I said before, I'm I'm only an okay writer, but I think like whatever you know, writing skills I have mm-hmm. work well with comedy because I am I think pretty good at getting like a thought down on paper. And then another one and another one. And then I can piece it all together. So it's like, yeah, what I what I did for a long time was like I would carry a notepad or like sometimes it would be my notes app on my phone. But they they <laughs> I I I think I'm just old enough that like uh keeping notes that way, I'm just like I don't know where this is. Like it's just gonna get lost because it's in my phone. <laughs> um but if I have like a pad, I'm like Okay, I can see how much space I've filled here. Um, but yeah, like I, I would literally just like walk around with it and uh, uh, just think of um, 
uh, observations and and ideas uh, of you know questioning like this or that thing that we take for granted and um i try to sit down with those ideas periodically and and just uh write them out a little bit um and i think the the one of the challenges for me was learning how to like be a performer instead of just sort of like (laughs) you know reciting what i had written um, but yeah, it was, it's very useful for me to, to like have it written out and it's like, okay, here's like the, the essay I'm trying to like convey. Um, and then, you know, I add all the, the performance pieces, um, by, uh, just trying it out on stage. Um, yes, you know, some people it's all in their head and they, they just like have this, this thing they're like, you know, uh, 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 traffic or something and they just go <laughs> they just yeah. go on stage and start talking about traffic I, i've just never been that guy um so yeah that, that's that's kind of how it works for me yeah yeah now how did you get into podcasting and I, your podcast is radicalize me correct yeah um, so tell me about that a little bit. I'd love to hear. I love talking to other podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's such a, uh, a cool little club to be in. I think Yeah, as much as like everyone does podcasts now, it's like, yeah, I, I but they're great. I, I really love yeah. medium. Um, yeah. So radicalize me is my current show, my most recent thing. And it's, um, I talk to, I interview activists, um, and people who do, you know, labor organizing and, and, uh, independent journalists and that, that kind of thing. Um, cause I think, so I started it back in, uh, March, I think started re- releasing them in April. And cause I, I was sort of sitting there going like, okay, I have all these like political thoughts. Like I, I, I have, I have opinions for sure. And I know how I want things to be. And I know what's wrong with how it is but I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to take that and then go do things to, to change it beyond, you know, like the, um, electoral stuff I had done before. But I think the, the primary process this year sort of like repeating itself with the whole, the Bernie thing and the DNC, I was just like, I, I feel like, um, you know, I can rage about this all day, but, uh, this is just not going to be the way that it's, solved i think getting certain people in office is part of it but it was like all right i know activism happens and i want to know like what are the steps and how do i become a person who does activism um because i think a lot of people probably feel the same way uh and just don't know what those steps are so i was like all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna ask people and record it so i can like for other people that's awesome. Have you enjoyed doing it so far? Yeah, it's been really cool. And I, I, I missed, uh, you know, being a podcaster because it, it's, uh, I just, I love having, um, again, like being able to write something and then like record it and put it out. Like I, I mm-hmm. you know, record these intros and stuff where I'll talk about my guests. I'll talk about some stuff that's, that's happening currently. Um, and, uh, that that's a lot of fun for me. So yeah, it's been a couple of years since 
the last one I did, which was, uh, so my f- same friend, Max, um, we did a podcast with our friend, Brian back in Philly, where we watched, um, we watched all of the OC, um, <laughs> you know, with me. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it was something that like we had watched it a bunch of times, like me, me and Max, and like uh, you know our other friends from college that we lived in Philly with. Um, like we we just like we watched it a bunch of times. I think my um, girlfriend in college introduced it, me to it, and I, I, there's just something compelling about it. It's like it's very stupid. It's a teen drama, <laughs> exactly what you think. But at the same time, you start watching it, and it's just like this is really dragging me in. I don't know why. <laughs> what is? Yeah. Some shows do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we did this, the, you know, there's a ton of these now, like rewatch podcasts, but we, <laughs> we did this thing that, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if it works. I, th- I think it, it, it works if you do it this way, but it's literally like we watch it in real time. So, we're watching the show with, with headphones on, but the idea is that we're like, uh, the, the DVD commentary. So like, yes, we'll yeah, uh. listen to it as they watch the show. We would like count down to when you press play, <laughs> and, um, it, you know, it's, it's sort of like a, a mystery science theater thing. Like you're just yeah. watching, thing, but then you've got like sort of funny commentary happening. Um, so, yeah, that, that was something that we, it, it took us so long to finish it. Um, 92 episodes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was just so much fun. Like getting together every week to just like do this thing. And, and uh, um, before that, my first podcast was um, a show called Breaking Up with Joe. And it was, uh, I started it. <laughs> a bad breakup yeah and, uh, it was another thing where like yeah, this is very I, I can be i can be very uh anxious and and um impulsive sometimes <laughs> i think i'm learning to manage it a bit but uh you know that's what happened with my current show and that's what happened with this where it was just like all right i i know i'm upset and i know like i don't like how things are going so i need to do something i need to Talk yeah. to people. And, you know, it started out as as like I was basically having like comedian friends on and asking them for advice with dating and, and whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that, man. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah, it was sort of half like uh a chronicle of of my breakup, but also I would interview the other the the guests about um, you know, what their dating history and their current, you know, relationship or whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was was fantastic. Yeah. It was, it was just, it's so much fun to like release something regularly. I don't know why (laughs) it's, I agree with that. I'm, I'm every Monday, Thursday, I'm releasing something new. It's an interview. It's a, I'm in big in the playlist. So I'll make like a different, like this last one I just released is like the mushroom mix. So it's all like psychedelic music that I have just, Nice. I was like, yeah, why not put out of like a playlist of music as a podcast episode or do kind of this avant-garde play or something just because it's creating, creating is fun. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for you. I, I would love to get to a point where I'm doing like weekly or, or 
twice weekly. Uh, I'm doing every two weeks right now. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's a lot of work, <laughs> but uh, it is, but I think you got to go at your own pace. I I'm all for whatever is your process that works yeah. for you, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's neat. Like the whole thing, like I was thinking about when you're talking about doing one for your breakup, I was like, that's genius. <laughs> it's like a way to work through it, but also have fun. exactly yeah i love that yeah well i think you know we're all kind of in the shadow of the godfather of podcasting mark maron who that's sort of what his show was it was like he he hit a wall and in his career and his personal life and it was like i i have to do something or i'm gonna like be suicidal and uh you know clearly that worked out for him and uh yeah it's really it it was I, some of the best of that show was him. I mean, it's still on, but uh, it was him like repairing old relationships and stuff. Yeah. Um, which was so interesting. And it's like, uh, cause I think a lot of us didn't even know who Mark Maron was, but then he, right. you know, he's talking about like the world he was in and it's like Sam Kinison and, and uh, 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 Janine Garofalo and, and, and uh, David, cross and you know whatever that whole like gen x group of comedians and it's like oh yeah like i know all these people i'm aware that like this this whole uh movement in comedy happened and this guy was there the whole time and struggling with it and fighting with people and um here he is a middle-aged man like working it out and it's it's really cool to see because um you know again we talked about like elizabeth warren changing her mind in the middle of her life and uh, that's really nice to see because it, it uh, you know, I, I at least have the sense that it d- doesn't happen that much. <laughs> I have the same sense. I think people dig in very hard in yeah. many ways, and it's just very difficult to get somebody to, on their own, change their mind. Just like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go against the tide on this, and yeah, and not be swayed by whatever's out there in the ether for people or what your generational you know, voting or whatever. This is what we do mentality. Right. Yeah. You know, you don't even know what it is, but this is what we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that, and that's something, um, there, uh, there was a, a, a transformation that I had, um, go coming from, uh, uh, you know, the, the comedy I was into for a while, sort of late college and post-college was like the, the, like Joe Rogan kind of, um, yeah. Like, fuck you. I'm going to say whatever I want. And, you know, mm-hmm. and some of my favorite comedians were that way. You know, Carlin was very much a guy who was like, no, nah, I'm going to joke about whatever I want. And like, you can't tell me not to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, in some ways, I think he was a little bit misguided on that. Cause as much as he was like a, a socially conscious and, and compassionate person, um, I don't know if he fully realized, like, uh, you know, if you say the N word or like mm-hmm. call women certain things, or like, even if you're joking, you're making some other point. Like, it's it's you you, you should consider how people feel about that. It's that's yeah. just being a good person. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the world I was into for a while, and uh, I don't know what it was exactly, but 
you know, I think just enough people sort of threw it back at me and were like, why? Like, why can't we like criticize jokes? What's, <laughs> what's special about jokes that like, you're not allowed to like, uh, have a, a problem with them like and say like maybe you shouldn't say this or um and yeah it's it's something that i remember just being so like like ten, tense about it and like ah, you can't tell me but once i changed over a little bit and was like what if i just listen like what if, when people are mm-hmm. asking me not to say something what what are they really saying what's like the issue they have with it and I just found that life got a lot more interesting <laughs> that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it was, um, I I worked at Helium, the the big comedy club in Philly, for a while. I was like a front desk guy, and um, there was one day where I can't remember who the comic was, but it was one of these broy fucking like L.A. comics um, <laughs> was headlining, and this girl came out of the theater and came up to the front desk and she was like near tears and she said you know something about like uh like, do you, are you aware that like this guy is on stage here joking about sexual assault or, or whatever it was and i i at first this was like right up i was on the fence at this point so like yeah. i gave her some answer where i was like yeah i mean you know you should look into the comics before you come here like we we don't really control what they say and she was like yeah yeah okay and she like went off to you know chill in the lounge area yeah of the theater and i like paused for a second there and i was like i like i just don't feel great about what i said right there mm, um, yeah. and I, then i went over to her and, and just talked to her for a minute and and i was like uh i you know I can't remember what I said, but it was like, I, you know, I'm sorry if you felt like I was callous or like, wasn't listening mm-hmm. to you. I'm sure that, uh, it's, it's hard to, you know, especially if you've experienced something like that, like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that, uh, made you feel that way. And, and, and it, that's sort of when I realized too, it was like, you know, uh, I've never made someone cry with my comedy. <laughs> right. And I would never want to like that. Why would that be your goal or something that you're just like, eh, you know, collateral damage. It's like, right. Um, you know, people talk about like punching up or punching down and it's like, I, that, that might be a little too like reductive, but I do think that it's like, um, you, you you can say anything on stage like George Carlin and Lenny Bruce got arrested so that we could all say whatever we want on stage. And so what are you choosing to say then on stage? That's, yeah. you know, now it's on you to like use that morally and responsibly. Um, so that was a, a big changeover for me. Yeah. The, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, this is a very mature way of looking at things. And I just, I mean, I feel like I try to do that, but in more and more in a world that we live in, I feel like, oh, that was a strange story because someone was mature, actually. You don't hear that too often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm leaving out all the times I was like a complete dick to people because I, <laughs> like, like it, it's, 
you know, especially on the internet and stuff, it's just so easy to be like, Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I, there, there was one, um, podcast I listened to for a while. Uh, it was two comics, Hari Kundabulu and W. Kamau Bell, who are very like politically minded in their, in their work. And, um, they, they did this like political comedy podcast for a bit. And I remember it was also like this on the fence time for me. And they were talking about, um, they had said something on a previous show about like having a spirit animal or something, you know, that's, that's like something that people said for a while. They'd be like, Oh, this person's my spirit animal. And um, (laughs) they read a letter from a listener who was like, uh, I don't know if you know, like you shouldn't really say that like in a joking manner, because that's actually a very serious thing for a lot of, you know, like native people. That's, that's an actual tradition they have that's that's like and i i remember having that initial like like ah like stop being so sensitive but then i i I like calmed myself down and i was like just hear them out and then i learned something about like you know native traditions like just Mm -hmm. culture i didn't know about it was like oh when you just like shut up for a second just listen like that's a way more interesting life than, than fighting all the time oh so true joe so true and well you know what i i could do this forever i'm like oh man this is like we have to get like part two because i'm just getting warm here i feel about all this stuff um i really appreciate you coming on because there's a lot of nuanced thinking going on here and i'm a huge fan of that so i, I appreciate you man for bringing that to the show. Oh, right on. Well, it, well, yeah, thank you. And, and I appreciate you having me on. Of course. I, I will be in touch with you. Sweet. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut, or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine, and when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences, and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut, stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.
What could be germier than a bathroom doorknob? Try unclean countertops, TV remotes, fridge handles, gaming controls, and all kinds of things around the house. Help your family stay happy, healthy, and uninterrupted by illness this year with Clorox disinfecting wipes, Clorox bleach, and Clorox disinfecting mist. They kill 99.9% of cold and flu viruses on hard, non-porous surfaces when used as directed. So get germs out of the way and get on with your day with Clorox. You're unstoppable when you start clean. How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh, add some steam, sizzle and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback.